Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Off the Bench Podcast, episode number 18. It's been two weeks. I apologize, but we're back. That's what matters. A lot has happened in the past two weeks, and we're going to dive into that. It's great to be back recording. I miss it. Honestly, sitting back down, I do miss it, and I'm glad to be back. So let's let's get right into it. We've had a crazy tournament so far in college basketball. March Madness has not failed to impress thus far. Lots of upsets. We saw the second 16 seed take down number one seed in FDU, led by head coach Tobin Anderson, who got a nice promotion immediately after the, the game. He's now coaching Iona. Congrats to Tobin Anderson on that job. Um, one of the serious contenders for the title, Arizona, loses in the first round of Princeton. I had him in my bracket. I was pretty upset about that, but it was nice to see Princeton go on a nice little Sweet 16 run, try to replicate, replicate what St. Pete's did last year as a 15 seed. Um, Houston looked like they were going to lose first round against Northern Kentucky. They pulled it together. Then they beat the shit out of Auburn. And then Miami came and lit them up from three. Kansas loses in the second round to Arkansas. I mean, number one seeds all losing relatively early. None of them made it to the Elite Eight. No, they did not because San Diego State beat Alabama in the Sweet 16. They came to play. So the, the tournament has not failed to impress yet. This is the first tournament ever, I believe, where in the Elite Eight there were no one, two, or three seeds, which is pretty crazy. No, that's a lie. Final four. Sorry. Final four, there's no one, two, or three seeds. You got the four seed UConn, five seed Miami, the five seed San Diego State, and nine seed FAU. FAU has been a real surprise this tournament. Snuck snuck away with a win first round against Memphis. Then they played the Cinderella FDU Knights. FDU hung in with them for most of the game. It was a pretty good game. FAU got the win in the end. Then they go and play Tennessee. They lock up Tennessee. And then they play in a thriller Elite Eight game versus Kansas State. Beat them 79-76 to to move on to the Final Four. And I think it they got their first tournament win this year. Now they're all the way in the Final Four, so really impressive from them. San Diego State beating Charleston, then beating the Furman team that took down Virginia in the first round. That was a crazy game. They take down number one overall seed Alabama in the Sweet 16 and then defeat Creighton in the Elite Eight. That call, a lot of people are saying it's controversial. A lot of people are comparing it to the Super Bowl call, the holding call, how the quote-unquote quote unquote, referees decided the game. I mean, I think it was a foul. You got to call fouls when you see a foul. I get from the fans' perspective, let them play. Let's see what happens because overtime in that game would have been crazy just because of how much back and forth it was. But it's the right call. San Diego State, they get the win in that one. UConn has been dominating the whole tournament. They beat Iona pretty good. They beat St. Mary's pretty good. Then they meet Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. Am I reading this right? No, I'm not. They beat Arkansas in the Sweet 16 by a lot. Then they meet Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, beat them by almost 30. Final score is 82-54. Probably drew Timmy's last game of his illustrious Gonzaga career and he's only 22 
A lot of people think he's like 40, which I can understand. Feels like he's been playing forever. I think that's partly because of COVID, but this was his fourth year. He's eligible for a fifth, but I'm pretty sure he declared for the draft. So congrats to Drew Timmy. I wish him all the best in the future. And then Miami, out of the Midwest region. Defeat Drake in a close game, first round. It was close right up until the end that Miami pulled away. Then, two days later, they beat Indiana 85-69 to in a very good game where Miami couldn't miss from three. Then they go and they play Houston. And Miami defeats them 89-75. to They scored 42-plus points in each half. They lit them up from three. I watched the game. It looked like Miami could not miss a three. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. 11 for 25 from three, just a little bit below 50%. Houston shoots nine for 31, a little less than 33%. Mainly the reason why Miami won. And then you think going into the Texas game, Miami's strategy is going to try to beat them from the three-pointer. That is the exact opposite of what happened, actually. Miami wins 88-81 to after being down by a decent amount of points. They're down eight at half, and then Miami outscores them 51-36 to in the second half. Two for eight from three, Miami shot in that lead eight game versus Texas. Texas, 10 for 25. You think, oh, how, can, how did Miami beat them? Because Miami went 28 for 32 from the free throw line compared to Texas's 11 for 15. 28 points from the free throw line. That's ridiculous. Um, Texas did get called nine more fouls on them. Turnovers were pretty close. And yeah, Miami, I'm thinking they're going to come and light them up from three just like what they did with Houston, but they did not. And then Mr. Miller for Miami has the game of his career. Jordan Miller, he had 27 points. He shot perfect from the field. So I believe I uh, can't think of it off the top of my head. Seven. He only went 7 for 7 from the field. That's what it was. And it was 13 for 13 from the free throw line. So he had 13 of their 28 points at the line. 100% for Jordan Miller. Big reason why they came back in that game. And Miami started getting stops on defense too. And that's why they're in the Final Four. Now, Final Four is tomorrow. It's been a long week just waiting for the game to happen. The games to happen, excuse me. Crazy Final Four. I was looking at the lines earlier. They switched a little bit. But here are the live lines as of right now. So the first game, which tips off at 6.09 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. The 9-seed FAU versus 5-seed San Diego State. San Diego State favored by 2.5. I don't mind that, but don't don't underestimate FAU. They've come all this way. The guy who's really been the MVP for that team, and I, I don't think he gets a lot of love. You know who it is? It is John L. Davis, number one, their guard. He's only a sophomore. He's been putting up great numbers throughout the tournament games. We're gonna go we're gonna go game by game now. Now he's not gonna score all your points, but he's gonna contribute in many different ways. Game one versus Memphis. He had twelve points with five rebounds. Game two versus FDU, this is when he scored. 29 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists with 5 steals. That's when he put up that crazy stat line. 
versus Tennessee, 15 points, 6 rebounds. And then big game against Kansas State, only 13 points, but then 8 rebounds, 6 assists. So he's not just scoring, he's contributing all around. I really like watching him play, and considering that he's only a sophomore, I don't think he has NBA material or NBA skill set right now. I could definitely see him being in the league in the future just because of the way that he contributes all around. So that, he's, I think he's the main reason why that FAU team is exciting to watch. Now, when they defeated FDU, FDU America's team, and one player for Florida Atlantic tried to do that crazy dunk at the end and then miss, and people started booing, I thought, oh, well, FAU just lost their opportunity to become America's team for the rest of the tournament. So I can understand why a lot of people don't really like them. I I just like how they're a bunch of guys. They're scrappy. Only three losses on the year. They're underdogs again in this game by two and a half. The over-under at 131 and a half. I'm not really sure what to think about it. This game will be more of a defensive game, I think. That's why the line is so low. But other game at 8.49 p.m., Eastern Time on CBS, which many people are calling the real championship game, which I think this game will have the caliber of a national championship game. Miami versus UConn. UConn, to this point, has been the most complete team in the tournament. There's not one area or category that they really struggle in. Everyone comes to play. It doesn't matter which five guys are on the court. They all contribute I guess I could say evenly, but effectively also. That's why they beat the shit out of Gonzaga by 30, because it didn't matter who was in. They just kept it on, they kept it on, and they kept making shots. It was just one of those games where UConn, they were making their shots, and Gonzaga wasn't, and that's why it was a 30-point deficit for Gonzaga for most of the game. Um, And then Miami, an interesting team. Don't really know exactly what their identity is. Not really. You, you could ar- you could have argued three point. They could shoot the three pointer after they beat Houston. Then Texas, they only shoot eight of them. Which initially, when I was watching the game, I'm like, why why aren't they taking threes? They got to shoot more threes, and eventually they did. But especially from the start, they weren't. Miami, they just I don't know how else to put it, but they just do what they want. They go into games confidently knowing that they have a they put themselves in a good spot to win if they just do what they want. They have four guys averaging over double digit points on their team. Isaiah Wong, who's a great scorer, 16.2 per game. Jordan Miller, who had the perfect game, 15.4. Nigel Pack, who lit Houston up from 3, 13.8, and Norched Omier, 13.3. And then Poplar, their other guard, 8.7, and that really rounds it out. But again, not really a superstar on their team, all-around great team, just like UConn, but they they really just they do what they want. UConn, on the other hand, these guys, they're hoopers, love their coach. They have, again, yeah, two main guys. They have Sonogo, their forward averaging 17.1, and then Jordan Hawkins, their great guard, 16.3. And they have a bunch of shooters, too. They can really light it up from three. I think this is their tournament to lose. 
really. I think whoever wins the Miami-UConn game should win the championship. That's my opinion on it. So that's why a lot of people are saying that one should be the real championship game. And I would like to see a championship game between Miami and UConn. But this is what March Madness is all about. You got the sleeper teams that can make it all the way to the Final Four and potentially win a championship. Again, no Blue Bloods, no Duke, no Kentucky, no North Carolina, no Villanova, no Kansas. Could you call Indiana Blue Blood? Maybe years ago. I wouldn't say now. But again, it's going to be an interesting game between those two. So for my picks, I like Florida Atlantic to cover a plus two and a half. They are a scrappy team. I think they can really get it done on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to take them at plus two and a half. And then Miami UConn. UConn's favored by five. DraftKings is saying five and a half. But I'm going to take Miami at five and a half. Uh, you know what? I'll take Miami to win the game just because I like them a lot as a team. Those are my picks for those games. And let's not forget it. Women's Final Four, I believe, is on tonight, too. Caitlin Clark has been hooping. Got to give respect to her. Put up that crazy triple-double. They have South Carolina favored by 11. I don't know. 11 and a half is a lot of points. If I were betting women's basketball, I'm taking Iowa spread against South Carolina, who is a crazy team. But that wraps up this episode, talking about the Final Four. See you guys next week after the championship.